0: It's a good idea and it's a good habit for dads to develop and really for anyone to develop uh, the habit of reading a proverb a day. I try to do that. And for example, if today were the 23rd, I would be reading Proverbs 23. There's 31 chapters in the book. There's one chapter for every day of the month. And it's just a good habit to get into because dads can learn wisdom on how to parent and how to train and instruct and discipline children. And so oftentimes when I'm reading, I find something in there that I can learn and use that day in raising uh, children in the home. Proverbs 23, verse 26 says this, My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. This is Solomon writing to his son and saying to his son, Give me your heart. I mean, he just says it to his son. Son, give me your heart. And not only that, but let your eyes observe my ways. As I'm going about through life, observe me. Watch me. Watch my ways and pay attention to me. So you can see a father instructing his son, teaching his son. But it starts with the heart. And he says, give me your heart, give me your heart, and then observe my ways. How many of you know that children learn mostly from what they see, right, and what they observe? We all know that. That's common knowledge. Uh, The Bible is a practical book, has a lot of practical, good information. Would you say that the author of this book and the creator of of the heaven and earth and, and all that is in them including you and including me, would you say he knows us pretty well? Yeah, Yeah. so this is very common, good information. Observe my ways. About uh, three years ago, Beth and I uh, decided that we would take fostering classes. And uh, we weren't sure about it. We didn't know whether we wanted to do it or not. We wanted to adopt Um, And we had been to, well, we kept running into pastors who had fostered and took children into their home and we wondered, could we do that? I don't know if we could. I don't know if we're up for that or if we're built for that. Um, but we kept running into pastors who did that, and we'd run, and I'd run into pastors who had adopted, and we'd talk to the pastor and to his wife right. and find out about their adoption, or maybe maybe their children had adopted, and then uh, even going to Wendy's and, and at Wendy's, reading on a cup one day about how Wendy's supports foster adoption and things like that, and I, over time it was like God kept giving us little signs and meeting people and touching our hearts with this. Here and there. And so we decided we would go ahead and take the classes for fostering. And then after taking uh, how many weeks of that? Um, was it 40 hours of classes? We decided this is not for us. <laughs> so we, um, we got out of that. And then we went to the house of Samuel. And we said we, we just want to adopt. We're not called to foster. Not everybody is. We're not called to foster. That is not our desire Um, But our heart is to adopt a child that needs a home. We're a home without children. And we're looking for children without a home. And I have been praying, Lord, send a child to our home from a mother who doesn't want to murder her baby. And would would rather put it up for adoption. And so send us a mother like that and, and use us in that way. And you know what happened? Sure enough, that's what the Lord did. We got a call on a Thursday, Wednesday, Wednesday. okay? We got a call on a Wednesday, and then by Wednesday. Monday? By Friday? Met, Friday? met her on Friday. And the baby was born, and the baby was born Monday. So I, I get a call on Wednesday at work, and Beth said, would you like to be a father? <laughs> that's why I'm telling this story. Um, coming to church services like this, for me, were painful. It was It was hard. So boohoo, right? Um, but it was hard. And then uh, she said, "That would you like to be a father?" Now we had had um, a lot of time to think about this, but all of a sudden, you know. And then I said, "Well, okay, let's pray about it." And think. then Monday, he he comes into the world, and we go to the hospital, and Beth had a room, and and we met our our baby boy Lucas, um, and signed his name onto the paper and everything like that. And I love. His story. I'm not ashamed of it at all. I love his story. I love being a part of it. And I love being a dad. I didn't think I was ever going to get to be a dad. Do you know what? In being a dad, all of a sudden I realized I need help. (laughs) I don't know the first thing about this. And I know this there are no perfect dads, no perfect fathers, right? There's no perfect earthly father. Not my father, not your father. There's only one perfect father, and that's our heavenly father. So I think we ought to learn something from him about what we should do, how to be a dad. And he gives us much instruction just in the book of Proverbs. Now today I'm going to speak about something, a topic that's not really popular, but that's kind of what I do. (laughs) I kind of confront culture and push back against it. That's just what I do. It's just where I go. Even preparing this, I'm thinking, Lord... Isn't there something positive that I could say tomorrow? You know, Uh, and there's going to be much that is positive, but it's pushing back. It's confronting a culture that has moved away from the wisdom of the word of God. Proverbs speaks expressly on the subject of discipline and training children and specifically corporal punishment. If you want to turn with me, you're in the book of Proverbs. If you are on the eighth day of the month, Proverbs 8, verse 24, this is going to be More of a teaching lesson for us today, but Proverbs 8, verse 24. Well, on that day you would read, I'm sorry, Proverbs 13, verse 24. You would read, He that spareth his rod, hateth his son. Spare the rod, uh, spoil the child, right? But that's not in the Bible. What is in the Bible, he that spareth his rod, hateth his son, but he that loveth him, chasteneth him betimes. First of all, it's a rod, not a hand or a belt, but a rod. Um, if you spare, if you withhold correction from your child, the Bible says you hate him. We're going to find out why, but somebody says uh, it's not loving To discipline your child. Can I tell you this? God says the exact opposite. Whatever this world says, you just turn it around and you can be pretty much sure that the exact opposite is what is true. Just about every time. It's incredible. God says if you hate your son, then don't discipline him. But he that loveth him chasteneth. Now the word chastening is an interesting word. At its root, it literally means to strike or to lay blows. Figuratively, it means to correct. Now, to chasten is like a strong correction. And um, now, when, when Beth uses her mommy voice or her, her command voice, all of a sudden things get real, you know? It gets serious. She's good at it. She's real good at it. And I got my, my command voice too. But you know, I was talking to my nephew yesterday at a barbecue at my dad's house. And he told me about a time he's getting ready to, to be a dad and their, their first child is on the way. He told me about a time when his dad said to him, Tanner, I'm just disappointed in you. And he said, that hurt. He, I'd rather have a whipping, he said. I'd just rather have a whipping than for my dad to say, I'm disappointed in you. That's chastening. Because he just wanted nothing more than to please his dad. He looked up to his dad, loved his dad so much. And to say that I'm disappointed, <coughs> that for him was chastening. To chasten, be times. Be times, that's not uh, often. That's, that's early. Early. At the beginning of the times of the child's life, Early, to chasten them in the formative years. Zero through five. To really be on this and to be serious about discipline is what the Bible is telling us. This is wisdom that comes from God. Look also at chapter 19, verse 18. Let's suppose it's the 19th of the month and you're reading Proverbs I don't know where you like to read your Bible, but I recommend that you get a spot. And maybe it's a chair that's beside the window. Maybe it's a little study that you have, or an office, or your sewing room, or where, I mean, wherever you are, your, your, your spot. Maybe it's your man cave. And this is where you go, and you have a cup of coffee or something, and, and you're sitting down there, and you're reading your proverb for the day. If you were on the 19th of the month, verse 18, this is what you would read. Chasten thy son. Remember what chasten means? It's talking about discipline, correction, verbal and physical. Chasten thy son while there is hope. And when is there hope? The Bible just told us, be times early in life. If you do it early in life, there is hope for the child. And let not thy soul spare for his crying. Don't spare. That is, in other words, I don't know about you, uh, you men here who have raised children. But I know for me personally, I've heard from people, you know, the old saying. This is going to hurt you. Right. Is going to hurt me more than you. Is that it? This is going to hurt me more than you. Right. And then as a child, you're saying, no, this is hurting me. More than it's hurting you. Now, I understand that statement today. I really do. Um, I'm, so I heard somebody say back, uh, back there, I'm not a crier or somebody's not a crier. And uh, I, 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 I got a soft spot. I, you, you wouldn't know it, but I do. And um, it's, there's been times in disciplining where, and I can, you know, with fostering, you're not supposed to use the rod. You're not allowed to. Um, and so what is worse than a whipping sometimes <laughs> is a good lecture and uh you you probably can imagine that i can sometimes uh bring the conviction and get to the heart of the matter and to see a child standing before you and to see the little crocodile tears start to well up and come and the hot tears come streaming down the face and when they're confronted with something and in that moment, when you, see, when you see a child's will broken and you see them humbled and you see real repentance and real sorrow for what they did. I'm tender-hearted. I'm sitting there. I'm trying to like keep it together, man. There's been times when I had to step out of the room, you know, and come back to it. Um, if you're doing it right, I think there ought to be There ought to be that tear. There ought to be a a tear. There ought to be a heart of love that when you're correcting this child, you're telling them, now how many times are you going to do this? Don't you know that this is wrong? Don't you appreciate what you have and and you can show your gratitude by obeying and saying that I won't do this again the next time and the Lord's saying, you know what? (laughs) The Lord's saying to you, you know what? How many times are you going to do this? How many times have I told you? How many times have you promised that I'm going to change and I won't do it again, and you did it again? And, you know, the the Lord has a way of dealing with us in the midst of this thing as we chasten our children. But you can chasten while there is hope, and there is hope, that means that this will actually work if you follow what the Bible says about training and disciplining and raising children. And don't spare for the crying. Now with Lucas... With Lucas, um, with that little boy, he's, he's tough. He is he's, There's a pecking order in our house, and he's at the top. Uh, and you've got to really lay into him to produce real sorrow and repentance for what he has done. But I don't do it all the time. They say it's bad to do it all the time. If you just give little spankings constantly, that are ineffective, that the child will actually despise you. But if you, uh, at the right time, are generous with your correction and lovingly discipline your child in a way that they understand that it hurts to do wrong, that that's effective. And kids are different, right? Different temperaments. Uh, Girls are different than boys. But with Lucas, man, you really got to get after him. But I found this out it really does work. You know, newsflash, God's Word works, right? But if I didn't, if I didn't discipline, if I, if I didn't take my role as a dad seriously, well, I would be setting him up for failure, right? But take hope in this, that the Bible says, there is a time when there is hope. And if, it, if you wait too long and try to correct them as a teenager... You've moved past that time when there is hope. God can change the heart, but discipline will be despised. Withhold not correction, the Bible says. Look at Proverbs chapter twenty-three, verse thirteen. Proverbs chapter twenty-three, verse thirteen. Uh, now with with. I know that you might be arguing with me in your mind. I understand that. And I'm just not going to stop to chase that rabbit, okay? Let's just look at what the Bible actually says about it. And then uh, my, my purpose today is not to train you or to teach you how to uh, do this. My purpose is to show you conclusively from the Bible that the Bible says to do this. Okay, so Proverbs 23, verse 13 and 14 says this, "...withhold not correction from, thy chi- from the child." For if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. That's strong, isn't it? That's strong. And that is completely countercultural. But uh, thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. You know why God says that if you don't discipline your child, you hate him? Because you're committing soul murder in not disciplining children. You can deliver his soul from hell because they get the point. They understand that I am accountable for what I do. That it hurts when I do something wrong. And that they understand one of these days when somebody explains to them that there's a heaven and there's a hell, that God punishes sinners. Listen, if you won't punish your children and if I won't punish my children, God will. Can I get any plainer than that? I don't think I can. And when they understand one of these days, that's why I got saved. I didn't want to go to hell, and I knew I deserved to go. And I'm not burning in hell for anybody. I thought about my friends, what they might say about it, and all that kind of stuff. And I thought about what I would, you know, what I was wanting to do the next weekend. And if I got saved, it changed my plans. But then I realized I'm not going to hell. I'm getting saved right now. And so I did. Would you look at one more with me? Uh, Proverbs 29, verse 15. Proverbs 29, verse 15. If you're reading Proverbs on the 29th of the month, and uh, by the way, it's just a good thing to keep doing it because it just reminds us. It reminds us of these things, and we need constant reminders. Proverbs 29, verse 15 says this, "...the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself..." Bringeth his mother to shame. If you withhold correction, if you just leave the child to himself, what will happen? Moms, what will happen? That child will bring shame to you. The child will bring shame to the family and to you. Correct thy son, verse 17, and he shall give thee rest. <laughs> yea, he shall give delight. Unto the soul. Parents who practice correction are able to control their children and are able to finally have some rest. It's hard work, but over time, if kids are taught to to behave, then you will have rest and you will even have help around the house as they get older. And I would like to see families come to church. And uh, this is is me personally. I'd like to see families come to church and just to see the whole family sitting together in the pew. And to see kids who can actually sit there and behave for an hour. This does not take a miracle from God to make this happen. This takes parents who are obedient to the Word of God. Now, having read those verses, we have all, I understand, there's men who abuse this and have abused it in this area. I've heard about some of the stories. They have abused this. The fault is with Those men, not with God's Word. There are are people who have uh, tried this and have done it ineffectively, not understanding how to do it, right? There are people who have uh, read these things and understand these things and completely neglect them, completely neglect what the Word of God says, and yet still come to church every week and still uh, say I'm a Christian and those kind of things. But, de- but deny the Word of God in, in actual practice. There's a lot of different things going on. Uh, but what does the Bible tell us to do? The Bible tells us to do these things and there's a promise connected with it. If you do this, you'll save your child's soul from hell. Train them up. And the way they should go, when they're old, they will not depart from it. That's a promise. And when you hear that, it sounds to you like, you're, like an old tune. It just sounds as familiar as hearing the national anthem or something like that. Yeah, when they're older, they'll not depart from it. And we, we fail to believe God's promise that this stuff does work. And you know what? Here's the message for dads, is that disciplining is primarily dad's job. So therefore, dad's got to be there to do it because after a while kids get too strong for mom after a while kids start to rebel against mom and resist mom but when dad applies discipline it's a different story the bible bible says that you need a husband and a wife to raise children and it's that it's like that for a reason but there's men who who neglect this role there's men who, who are not spiritual leaders. And what I want to do is, I want to charge uh, the men that are here. Just want to give you a charge, man to man, encourage you to take your role as a spiritual leader in the home seriously and to read the book of Proverbs and to be instructed and read it with a study Bible that helps to explain these verses and, and gives you an, tips on doing it. Read things like the best book that I can recommend is one that I've read and reread and reread is by J.C. Ryle. And it's called The Duties of Parents. J.C. Ryle lived in the 1800s. He was an Anglican, or a Church of England uh, minister. uh, And he was fabulous at explaining the scriptures in a plain, easy way that people can understand. And he has so much good advice on parenting, on raising children. And it's so good because it's just Bible, 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 but explaining what it means. I started this with Proverbs, his... uh, Encouragement for his son. He said, son, give me thine heart. Why is it important that your child gives you their heart? And why is it important, guys, that you win your child's heart? <laughs> what's, what's the Bible say about a child's heart? I was watching a, a, a Disney movie or something, or a Pixar movie. Um, that's going to get... Hard. By the way, there's going to come a time where, where we just have to take a stand as parents, and that time is coming, and it's, it's here. Actually, it's here now. But more and more, you're going to have to take a stand. For example, coming back from vacation, and I'm thinking, be, it would be nice to, the kids are old enough, we could go sit in a movie theater and watch a movie. So I'm looking at movies, and I'm thinking, is there anything we could sit and watch? And uh, I thought, well, there's that new Pixar movie coming out about that uh, rocket guy. Lightyear. And I was talking with Beth about it, and she said, you know, after the whole thing went on down in Florida with Governor DeSantis and everything like that, some of the creators working with those movies put in a scene just out of spite. And uh, you can find out what this scene's all about, but it's, it's all about the LGBTQ agenda and pushing that on kids and exposing them to that. So there's this scene in there that we would have to sit through and watch. Now, I know about it. And they know that I know about it. And they're going to watch the numbers and see if it makes any difference. If, they're, if, they're, if their show still sells. And bottom line is money. So if I go and watch that, I'm funding their perversion. And I'm saying it's okay. And I let the children see it. Now, if I do that, am I a good dad or a bad dad? Yeah. I'm a good dad to withhold that from them. Now, I like movies, but I just, I'm selective, and you should be. You should want to protect your child from temptation and from twisting of, of uh, the way that the world is seen. You, you want to protect them from that. That's your job as a dad. To protect your children. To stand between your children and the world. That's your job as a spiritual leader. Amen. I stand between the world and my wife. Okay, I'm a protector. That's what I do. And so i got to be up on some things. Try to be, and my wife helps me to be up on things. Go, just going to that resort that we went to. I'm just itching to tell you about this just because it's so wicked, but I can't even talk about it in church. The thing's going on in the men's bathroom at Castaway Bay in Sandusky, Ohio, during Gay Pride Month. I realize I can't even send Jace into the boy's bathroom by himself. He cannot go unattended anywhere in this resort. Do I have to say any more? Right? I'm a protector. But listen... I know Jason is a different situation, and you and it 's easier for men who are raising children that are uh, natural biologically born children in, in the case of fostering completely different but i 'm still it 's my responsible it 's my responsibility to say to him, "Give me your heart, and I have to win it. He has to give it up uh, willingly, which means I have to win his heart i 'm not an expert in this, but i 'm just trying to Challenge you. In other words, how do how do you win children's hearts? Well, Jace uh he went to VBS and he he came home and and just no 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 you know just wanted to tell me about everything, right? Well, as a guy, I'm like can't take anymore. You know, moms can take more of that stuff, but you have to sit down, tell me about it. What did you learn? You know, what's that thing? What'd you make? And, you know, when they come home from the game and they want to talk about their game or whatever, that's what you're supposed to do as a dad, right? If I say, you know, get away from me. Go to your room, you know. Um, Go talk to your mom. Well, fail. That's a failure as a dad. I have to win uh, their hearts. How, how, how do you win a child's heart? Well, when they're, when they're... Playing games on the floor, you know, you, you, you get down on the floor with them. And you sit there and you play with their toys with them. That's what you do. You get down on their level and you enter into childish situations. Right? That's what grandparents do. Watch grandparents. They have figured this out. They want their grandkids to like them so that they come back, right? So you play with them. When they're crying and something went wrong, you don't just be like, stop fussing, I'm sick and tired of all this. You, you, you just, I know it's a little stupid thing, and they're prideful, and they're vying for attention, sibling rivalry, and all that stuff. But you just, what happened? What's going on? Let's talk about how we can fix this, and so on and so forth. You know, you, you spend time doing that so that you win their heart. You take them out to learn how to throw a ball, all these things, just basic stuff. But, but you're saying, son, give me thine heart. Why do you want their heart? Because the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That that's, brings me back to where I was with that Disney movie. In that Disney movie, they say things like this. They say, you're different because you have a good heart. Kids hear that over and over again. You've got a good heart. You've got a good heart. No, you don't. You've got a wicked heart. You've got a wicked heart that will always gravitate towards doing wrong. You're quicker at learning to do evil than you are at learning to do well. Why is it so easy to teach a child to do evil? They can spend two or three hours with somebody else's kids and come back. Where did you learn that? (laughs) Where did this come from? Just like that, quick, pick up evil. But then to teach them to do good, it's hard. And it takes time. And you can only teach a little bit at a time. (laughs) Only a little bit. It's hard. Why? Because our hearts are depraved. I'm trying to talk to dads about human nature and discipline, and I'm exposing to all the adults here how little I know and how foolish I sound. I understand that, but I'm just trying to encourage you start to take this seriously. We look at children like they're like a blank sheet of white paper. Just pure. And you can write anything on there that you want to. Uh Uh-uh. No. Children are born from the womb, and the Bible says that there's foolishness bound in the heart of a child. Bound in there. Hard to get out. Foolish. Children. That's why you have to say, give me your heart. Let me protect your heart for you. Let me teach you how to love the right things. Let me shape you and mold you. Let me think for you. You don't think for yourself. Not as a young child. I think for you. I make decisions for you. I do everything for you so that one day when you get a little bit older and you become a teenager, you start making decisions here and there, but I'm still guarding you, protecting you, shaping you. And as you get older and older, and eventually as you're an adult ready to launch out into the world, hey, now you're making the decisions for yourself. But as a child, you're saying, give me thine heart. And the heart has to be one. Give me thine heart, Solomon said to his son. Dads, are you trying to win the hearts of your children? And and, and dads, could you say to your child, let your eyes observe my ways. Can you say that in confidence, knowing that if they just do what I do, they're going to be all right. If your your children don't observe with their eyes a dad that loves mom and puts mom first and honors and adores mom and loves her and hugs her and kisses her and, you know, if they don't observe that with their eyes, what do you think that they're going to do to mom? Well, it doesn't take a genius to figure it out. If they don't observe dad concerned about prayer in the home, they never see dad praying. They'll think, "Why should I pray? Why should I have?" If they don't observe a dad who has faith and believes God for things, why should I believe? Why should I have? If they don't observe, if they don't observe a dad who goes out and works for a living, they think, "Why should I work?" If they don't observe a dad who, who goes out and puts out gospel tracts and is concerned about people's souls, if they don't see a dad who goes to church and is, is really involved and in actually standing up, singing the hymns, actually into it, actually uh, talking about the Bible with, with, his, with his wife, and if they don't see a dad, why should I do that? Why should I go to church? What does it matter? If they see a dad who's just waffling and just flimsy on his convictions and just folds every time temptation comes or every time there's an opportunity to take a stand for the truth and for Jesus Christ, if they see a dad who just folds and rolls over, they say, why should I take a stand for righteousness? You see, it's a big job. It means, dads, that you have to be the spiritual leaders. You have to set the example. You know, as I close, is there any pain on earth like the pain that erring children can inflict on their parents? Is there a pain worse than that? Is there a pain worse than a child just taking your heart out of your chest, throwing it on the ground, and smashing it into pieces? Is there any pain like the pain of a broken-hearted parent? Someone has said that the grief caused by a wayward child is like injecting a deadly poison into the hearts of the father and the mother. Wicked children can bring down your gray hairs with sorrow to the grave, and no one i mean very few it it happens, but no one is no one is successful at raising all of their children to to live for the Lord and to be as committed to the Lord as they should be. Even good, godly homes have raised children who have denied the faith or gone out to live the prodigal life. They have to have their comeuppance too, right? They have to have their time to... That's the path that they've chosen. So even if you've done everything to the best of your ability, the right way, sometimes it doesn't turn out, but you have the promise in Scripture that if you train them up in the way they should go when they're old, they will not depart. That's when they're older, that they'll come back to it. But are you? if you're not training them, if you're not claiming the promise and obeying the promise, the command to train them, then you can't expect God's blessing or God's answer on it. It's, it's beneficial for us to discipline children because of the pain that it can cause to us. It's beneficial for us to discipline children because you're setting them up for success in life. You have to say no to children, right? The, the, the baby boomer generation understands this. You have to tell children no. You have to withhold things from them. Their, their generation before them understood it better. That it's good to withhold things from children, not to spoil them and give them everything that they want. Let me, let me just... <clears throat> let me give you this. I mean, there's Bible examples that I should have quoted, but I didn't. Let me give you this. If you, if you watch people who spoil their children, and they think, I want my child to have everything that I had. Am I, am I talking to anybody here? Am I, am I speaking to somebody? You know somebody like this. I want my child to have everything that I didn't have when I was a kid. And so therefore they give them everything. And they spoil them. When they grow up, you've never seen a more unhappy person than somebody who always had their own way, always got everything that they wanted, was never told no, never had to restrain themselves, they're not able to self-discipline, they're not able to self-regulate their lives, and they're miserable. That's the truth of life. Miserable. And they make other people miserable. This is beneficial for everyone in this room because guess what? If you're not raising children, you can encourage others to raise children the right way. You might not always be able to do it directly, but you can encourage them indirectly, sometimes by giving them a book, sometimes just by telling your own story. You can encourage people to do this. This is good for everybody, and it's good for souls. It's good for the Lord to train up a child. And so just so I'm not misquoted, I'm going to ask for you to make a commitment this morning, dads and granddads, I'm going to ask you to make a commitment this morning to be committed to this kind of child-rearing and discipline. But, so I'm not misunderstood. This is what I'm telling dads this morning. Dads, it's your job to instruct your children. This is discipline. It's instruction and it's loving correction. Loving corporal punishment. It's two things. It's instruction and it's loving correction. Corporal punishment. It's those two things. How do you instruct your children? They watch your life. You teach them little things here and there along the way as they get older. If you're not the living example, you're not teaching them the right thing. And then loving correction and discipline in the early years takes the form of corporal punishment and in, in the later years takes the form of telling them no and denying them things and taking things away that they've lost because of their actions stuff like that committed to doing this what i am not talking about is i'm not talking about beating your children out of anger that is wrong You won't find that in the book of Proverbs. Beating your children out of anger. This is not a class on how to do this, but the child should get the idea, Dad's trying to help me. Dad explains to me what I did wrong before I get a whipping. He explains to me, I'm trying to help you to learn how to live your life well. And dad prays with me, and he shows me from the Bible why it's wrong, and so on and so forth. That's a dad who, who, hasn't, who has a clear conscience enough that he can pray with his child after disciplining them. Now, a, ga- a dad who just flies off the handle in anger and backhand his, backhands his child or pulls his belt out of his, out of his uh, pants and just starts wailing on the kid and thrashing him, that man doesn't have a prayer life. That man's no example. Talking about real heart commitment to loving discipline. Let's go ahead and stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Heads bowed and eyes closed, please, as we come for prayer. Dads, I want to ask you right now, if you'll, if you'll pray to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to commit myself once again and I'm going to commit myself afresh to being a godly spiritual leader in the home, setting the example with my life, praying for my children, And I'm going to do the hard work of correction. And I'm going to balance discipline with love. And I'm, when I say no, no, I mean no. And Lord, would you help me? God, would you help us? Because we're going to mess up. We're not going to do things right all the time. Would you help us with each individual child with different temperaments, different frames, and different tendencies? God, would you help us to win the hearts of children that you've placed into our homes and win the hearts of grandchildren and even great-grandchildren to win their hearts? God, would you help us to make a difference for some for some, and I pray for the children that are in our care that we can pass this on to them, to the next generation, and I pray, God, I pray that you'd open up their hearts to receive the love of the truth, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, before it's everlastingly too late.